You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last My man standing. For I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. I'm the man. When I walk, the ground shakes. I am the master. I am the ruler of the world. You are now entering the vicious circle. And welcome to the Vicious Circle. Sid, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Rob. Yourself? I'm doing great because we have an amazing guest today. Uh, this guy, if you think WWF, you definitely think of this guy. Uh, Tito, Tito uh, Santana, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. And uh, it's an honor to, to be talking to, to Sid and to you. Uh, I saw Sid, uh, it wasn't very long that I saw you, uh, Sid, and it was really good to see you. No, Tito, it's, good to see, it's always good to see you because it reminds me of my first days in the WWF. Yeah, you guys were there together, but you never actually wrestled, did you? No, we never. I never got the the, the honor of uh, going up against Sid. You know, Sid came in and you know he hit the the WWF by storm, and you know uh, he was uh, immediately a uh, contender for the, the the world title, and you know he went up pretty quick. You guys, we just found yeah, everything out. Went, everything went real quick for me there. Uh, it was it, that was a uh, that was a big education for me for the wrestling business and really prepared me for the rest of my career. Uh huh. When you started, so, Tina, we were. We, go ahead. No, uh, no, go ahead, Sid. So, Tina, we were talking earlier. You just tell me the story where you played football, but you you were like myself. You really weren't um, a wrestling fan. And you you were telling us the story about meeting Tully Blanchard, and you also was telling me about the book and Kenny Casanova writing the book because I'm a good friend of Kenny, and that you've got the book written, and this is some of the stories about what's in your book. You want to tell us a little bit about how you got started and ended up down in Florida and stuff. Well, I'm going to start off uh, for for anybody who's listening. Uh, if they want to order my book, they can go to TitoSantana.com. Uh, and they can order my book. Uh, Remember, everybody, com. Yes, and, and, you know, just like you, uh, I, I was uh, taking part in, in other sports in high school, and uh, I, I wrestling in, in Texas came, came on like around 11 or 12, and, you know, I just wasn't a wrestling fan. I, I never stayed up that long uh, to watch, that late to watch uh to watch wrestling, you know, I, I just wasn't interested because I didn't know anything about it. Uh, and then I went to college and started playing football. And uh, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, Tully Blanchard and the, the Million Dollar Man, we were on the same team uh, at West Texas State. And my junior year, Tully started talking to me about professional wrestling, you know, that his father thought that I could, because his father was a promoter in San Antonio, that I could be, you know, I could do very well in wrestling. And, you know, at the time I wasn't interested in wrestling. I was interested in football because I started getting letters from the different NFL teams uh, my junior year. So I said, well, I think I'm going to get a chance to play in the NFL. 
So uh, once I found out how tough the, the football career was, you know, uh, and Joe Blanchard's telling me that, you know, Tito, you could be making $80,000 a year in professional wrestling. And uh, I signed with the Chiefs in 1975 for $18,000 a year. You know, right. It was a big difference. So, you know, uh, wrestling started looking a little bit better. It was a rude awakening because uh, I, I thought I was going to sign a, a contract like you would in football. So I, mean, I started out, as you know, there was there was some matches where I had to pay before it was all over to, you know, to cover my expenses, you know, the pay right. wasn't that great. But, you know, once I was in it, you know, I was in it and I just gave it 100% and, you know, things turned out pretty good for me. You know, Tito, my writer, Barry's asked me the same question. He, we met each other uh, 35 years ago or something like that. He came to work for WCW in the beginning stages of it, and that's when I came in. And he's always, when we're, writing, when we're writing about my book, he's always asked me, what made you get into this? And I was the same thing like you. I was told, you know, that if I made it with the Memphis Showboat, the USFL, that I could make about 50000 a year as an offensive lineman. And, and I was told by Randy Savage, you know, you could make about that work in the Memphis territory. Of course, same thing. I got there. And I was making 50 bucks a night and trying to find a hotel to share a room with five or six guys. And, you know, and until, you, like you said, you, 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 you tough it out. I mean, you know, a few people do make a little bit of money in this business. Yeah, yeah. You have to be lucky, right? I mean, you have to meet the right people and somebody spots you and, 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 then, uh, and then you take it from there. Where do you think you learned the most about the wrestling business? Was it down in Florida or was it after that? Well, I, I, I think, you know, as you know, Sid, you know, dealing with the promoters is one thing. You know, they all, you know, they all lie to you and, you know, paint a good picture when they're going to bring you in. And, you know, a lot of them, you know, a lot of it doesn't come true. So, you know, I, I learned a lot from, from, from the boys. You know, I was pretty humble and I talked to the boys and, uh, you know, the wrestling in the South, I was in Georgia and then I went to Charlotte. Uh, they, they had some fantastic wrestlers right there that, you know, I was in the ring working with, with those guys day in and day out. So, you know, I, I, I learned the business pretty quick. Steamboat and, and uh, Macho Man Savage and, and you wow. know, just all, a lot of the guys that, that was such good workers that, that they were just teaching, you know. Like not only the, right. the wrestling, the psychology of the, of the match, of, of, of you know, right, uh, old school psychology. When did you think, Teal, that um, maybe, well, for sure that you, you you learned enough that you you could do something in this business? Uh, I guess, I, I guess when 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 I came to New York the first time. You know, I was getting screwed big time. In, in, I, I ended up going to Amarillo, and, and I was getting screwed by uh, Dick Murdoch uh, and Black Jack Mulligan had bought that territory, and they made me all kinds of promises. Well, you know, as you know, Dick Murdoch was, was a baby face. Uh, right. And, man, I, I had a, a wide awake, awakening. My first TV taping, they, I went 10-minute draw with uh, Stan Lane. So, you know, I said to myself, well... I sure as hell ain't going to get a big push. You know, you don't go draw, you're going to get a big push on TV. So, right. you know, they, you know, I ended up staying there for, for uh, uh, probably two and a half months. 
And uh, Andre the Giant uh, took a, a film uh, from there and showed it to Vince Senior. And before you know it, you know, I was coming to, to New York. And, you know, New York was the biggest territory at the time. That was before right. the WrestleMania. You know, New York was, they were already uh, running shows where they had 20,000 people. Right. Man, that's, you know, interesting because I've, of all the people I've talked to, you're like the first one that's really said that they worked there before the WrestleManias and the, that you were actually working for Vince Senior. And we, I've only had uh, opportunity to ask a few questions. Was Vince Senior as nice as guy as everyone said he was? Well, uh, Vince Senior had a reputation. Uh, you know, he was he was kind of like Vince. Uh, you know, old business. You know, but but he'd always give you the time of the day, and you know he had the reputation. That if he told you something, you know he was a man of his word, and and you, you didn't right. find that too much in the wrestling business. Right. Well, I know, like for instance, and I don't know if this would be true, but you know, like we when I was there after you, we ran a few towns like in Scranton. There were only just a couple hundred people to, to get in there. Uh, and they said that was still due to old favorites that were owed to, from Vince Senior said always run this place for this guy. Like you said, he always took care of his people. I think they said that's why Freddie Blassie was around for, forever, you know, at the office and stuff. That, if, like you said, if he said he's going to take care of you, he would have took care of you. Right. I mean, Arnold Scolan, you know, he kept kept all those guys around for, right. you know, for, many, you know, for many, many years. And I, I guess uh, Vince Jr. had to, you know, uphold, you know, probably the, the old man told him, uh, you know, you got to take care of these people. And God knows, you know, Vince was making, you know, pretty good money so he could take care of these people. Sure, sure. Now, when you're, when you're writing your book, where are some of the, 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 the things you look back and go, you know, because I know writing my book has been challenging. And some of the things you, you think about when they get there, they're hard to talk about. Was there any parts of your book that you got to that were actually – Hard for you to talk about? No, because you know I I, uh, I I made a point uh, when I started talking to Kenny. I said I, I don't want any negative stuff about any of the boys. Uh, I don't want to be talking about. Uh, I, I just finished reading the book, and you know he even wrote more than I would have liked to. You know, you know, uh, you had the groupies and stuff, and you know I didn't want my book to be part of that. You know, he did mention a few things. Uh, that, you know, I, I just read, you know, that I, that I wasn't even aware that he was going to include that. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to talk about my upbringing. You know, I, I was a migrant worker and, you know, I had a hard time uh, growing up. I came from a poor family in South Texas. Uh, how education helped me in life and, 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 you know, my dealings with the promoters and some of the ribs on the, on the roads. Uh, right. And I just didn't get, I didn't get into talking about, you know, uh, none of us are perfect. And, and you know, we, we all had our own problems and, and we all, you know, dealt with them as, as we did. And, you know, I, I didn't need to be talking about, you know, somebody, you know, negatively, you know, I, I, you know, you know me, I, I treated everybody with respect and, you know, Right. I seem to always get respect from everybody else. You know, I, I never had problems with anybody. You know, Tio, I, I, it's funny. Our books are almost like the same. I came from South Arkansas from a sharecropping family, from my grandfather, from a great-great-grandfather. 
and uh, we talked a little bit about that. But same thing is just that's what kept me grounded. Where you know, at least I, I tried to be like you, honest to people, you know, up front. And I think that's where I got so much respect in the businesses because I was always honest. And I think there was very few people that brought that to, to the to the business was honesty and stuff like that. And I definitely remember you for that, Tito. Is a, you were always a gentleman and always you know came and you know addressed you know like introduced yourself and you know, boys first want to shake a hand and stuff like that. Now, you know, dinner with writers, Theo, you said you saw some stuff that wasn't there. I've had that happen a couple of times. But, uh, actually, I've had to fire two writers to get the writer I'm at. Um, <laughs> one guy one time was actually, he kept writing about, it was whole, uh, it was like uh, out in the farmlands that he was mentioning gopher holes. And there are no gopher holes in Arkansas. So finally I asked him, I said, his name was Peter. I said, Peter, what's the deal with gopher holes? He said, uh, well, that's the story said that happened to me in my childhood. And I said, you know, so I, either I, I didn't say this isn't about your childhood. I said, well, let's leave it there, but let's go from there. Let's go to this. And he got mad at me. He said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a couple weeks off. And I said, no, Peter, what you're going to do is you're going to take off. You're, you're no longer needed. You know, but these writers will add stuff, you know, uh, they get where they get real sentimental or uh, temperamental about what they write should stay in there. Do you found that to be, uh, was that, do you run into that writing your book? No, no, I mean, he, he was pretty, uh, uh, I, I had read some of the books and, and I trusted him and, and, you know, and, and, you know, I, overall, I, I think, you know, 95% of the stuff that he wrote, you know, I, I have no disagreements with. Uh, I, I didn't get to read the whole thing. You know, who, who's got time to read a book, you know, quickly? <laughs> no, so, I know you're talking about. So I didn't find out until, you know, I, I had a trip uh, this past weekend. Uh, I went, so oh, that's when God. I read the books, you know, when I was on the road. And I finished reading it today, and I said, man, I wish he hadn't read, written that much. Uh, <laughs> you know... It wasn't about me. It's about how, you know, even some other boys, you know, and it really didn't really get that specific, you know, right. stuff that was going on with the groupies. But, you know, I didn't want to write about, you know, groupies and stuff in the road, you know. No, exactly. To me, you know, groupies, I respected them. They were wrestling fans, and we were lucky to have, you know, the groupies, and you know, because they bought tickets, and we made money by, you know, by the number of tickets that we sold. So... You know, back then when when you had the groupies, that means that there was a lot of uh, a lot of other fans. So it means well, it if, like if, if the if the groupie girls were, that means the business was good. Sometimes that was right. the station. Now, Tito, yeah. but you, I had uh, from the first days in the businesses when I was working among us, I ran across these two girls. One was named Sheila. It was Karen. Now they were not really. I think they were groupies for a couple other guys and. Jimmy Gold and, and uh, Robert Fuller. But for us, they were just friends. And they would just, you know, they'd do anything to be around wrestlers. So they'd buy our lunch once while me and downtown Brindle. So take a free lunch. We didn't care. No, you know, we hang out with you. Well, those girls ended up later on in my career coming down and spending family vacations. So when people talk about groupies, there are those like that. And then there's really people that just want to hang out and talk to you sitting at your car or sit and talk to you at the hotel lobby or something. 
It's not just all girls throwing themselves. Uh, yeah, because I, I remember that there was a girl in, in, in a van that would pick up uh, four or five of us in, in the van and take us to the town and you know save us, uh, save us trans and you know you know right. then we we had to save as much money as we could and you yeah, know there, there was there was some good uh, you know there was some good fans you know that just loved the business and, and like you said the, some of them just loved hanging around the boys. To me, Tito, that was. For me, and you and I both weren't wrestling fans, but that's when I enjoyed the wrestling fans most. When it was uh, the one sitting out there in the snow waiting to talk to you at your car and just ask you and be just a normal person to you. You know, even get right. over, maybe get over on you one time. I remember this little girl came up to me one night, sit there and talk to me for a while, telling me, hey, man. You know, first she said, you're a jerk. I said, yeah, I'm a jerk. She goes, no, really not. You're not. I said, no, you said it. I am. She goes, no, you're not. I said, no, I am. She said, oh, here, have this. She gave me a piece of paper and said, one free visit with Dr. Kevorkian. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, again, you know, those were the moments I cherished with the fans. And there were the others, but it wasn't like people say it was, you know. And I'm like you too, Tito. I didn't talk bad about one person. or didn't single out one person. I don't remember. Actually, we came up with a chapter just with just made up uh, things. Uh, the people were going to know that they were made up, you know. They weren't real uh-huh. stories. Talking about where, you know, we didn't use steroids. We used heroin. And Vince shifted in and midgets and dwarfs from South America, you know. And, you know, just, <laughs> we always scored our smack from Vince. Just a little silly right. stuff like that, you know. And then uh-huh. Macho Man, really got his name as Nacho Man. He was a Lucha Liberate at one time. We just tell some things that aren't true. And that, uh, uh-huh. people, and we tell people that too, to get in my book. That, you know, there's my story, there's someone else's story, and then the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. So why go for right. that? You know, so I think I just I prefer to prefer to. I think I had a really cool childhood, uh, even though it was a poor one. But I did some really cool stuff as a kid and as a teenager, like you know, I, I solo was in an airplane when I was 17. So I mean, uh-huh. I, I did some things before wrestling. So was it? Now, do you once your book is done? Do you? And then you said you didn't read it at first. Do you feel like you got what you were looking for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm I'm really happy with with the, with the outcome of the of you know of, of of the book and the stories. You know, we we uh, <coughs> we covered pretty much you know my whole life history and uh, my family, my upbringing, my my morals. You know. Uh, 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 I, I I never knew that you were involved with the you know drugs, but you you know that there was quite a few of the boys that you know got caught up with the drugs and you know I I owe it to to a lot of the people that got involved was we were always hurt we were always in pain and there was always doctors to give you pain pills and you know I, I thought right. I think that was the beginning because we were working like dogs you know right. and, and if we didn't wrestle we didn't get paid so you know. I think just, just the schedules that we kept was uh, a lot of the reasons that some of the guys, you know, went from one thing to another. But uh, right. you know, I, I personally didn't like to mention, you know, who names and stuff like that. You know, uh, if somebody wants to reveal, you know, their problem, you know, pretty much, right. you know, the, the wrestling well, fan knows who, who had the problems, you know. And but but I do, I do blame the, the, the our schedule for a lot of the guys' problems. No, and, you know, like for me, not that, uh, you know, of course, I've never done 
I've never done hard drugs like heroin, but I got where at one point too the prescription drugs I couldn't live without them. And I remember taking my first pain pills where I broke my hand in a in the WWF. Uh, broke my hand accidentally in a match, just barely a fracture. And to keep going, I ended up taking like a my first half a pain pill. And it wasn't nothing in the beginning. Next thing you know, you're you're taking a whole pain pill or when you needed it, you know. And then then right. for sure too, Tito, I only saw it rampant in the, you know, especially in WWF because it was so much more people wanted to be around those stars much more than they did W, w stars. But, man, we had doctors where you know, we'd get them, say, tickets in a hotel to one of the events. And, man, they'd write everything and anything we wanted. And I hate saying this, and I'll say it on myself, <clears throat> but I remember getting growth hormone from the doctor. This is before it was, you know, cool to do. Got it under my kid's name, you know. So, I mean, uh-huh. just just to be around you, they'd do anything you ask. Right, yeah. Do you remember and, that, Tito? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was lucky that I never I never, I never, never did any steroids at all whatsoever, thank God, and, and, and never got any uh, into the hard drugs either, you know. But I, I used to feel so bad for some of my friends that that were blowing $1,000, $2,000, you know. They, they were blowing a big percentage of their money, you know, they were addicted on coke and, and 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 different things, and and then I saw him go to go to the the harder stuff, and you know it, it was kind of sad. You know, I, I remember talking to you know a real dear friend of mine who's not not even around anymore. He he's gone. He's bad. He passed away. And I said, "What are you doing to yourself?" He said, "No, no, no. I got it under control. Don't worry about the teeth. He used to call me teeth. And and you know it, it was sad. You know because you know. It's like a cigarette addiction, you know. Once you get addicted to a drug, you know it, it's hard. To, you know, I, and I always heard, you know, uh, cocaine is is the biggest addiction to to to, to get rid of, you know, because you know they, they, I heard that they put mice in, in, in a cage and they put three different drugs, and it was the, the cocaine that the, that the that the mouse would keep going back to, you know, with, with that right. What is Tito? I feel like in, and when we we're in, like this is back in those days when we were going so much for me, you know, you see this person or that person doing this or that. And, you know, my, I remember, and I won't say his name, he ended up passing away really too young as well. I remember being on the road with him one night and passing out in the suit the night before. And I said, Hey man, want me to talk to Vince and try to get him, put you on the road with me and I'll try to help you come off these drugs. He said, man, I quit last night. I I just want to say, you just passed out last night, you know, but, uh, so for me, I had to put blinders on Tito and I had just walked by that. And as you walk by that, like, you know, Rad Rapper, this is, I'll say the story about him because I really love that guy. I remember the kid coming up to me and saying, I think in Detroit, uh, me and him and Owen rode together one night. Uh, Owen always had a free ride every night, uh, some family taking. And so I rode with him one night up to the show. And I remember, um, Louis Piccoli was his name. He said, Shit, I took 19 pills last night of different kinds. I said, Louis, we got these three days coming off. I said, You'll get to 20 and 21 and 22, and on that day you'll die. And that's exactly what happened to him when we come to the road the next time. He's gone. And what you do is yeah. it's okay. You feel bad about that, but then you put your boots on and you go out and do your match. Because, like, like um, um, Tito was saying, you're getting paid by the night. And, and yeah. that's all that matters right at that point. Yep. Yeah, Spicoli, man, he was a nice guy. I, I met him when he was just getting started. 
Right. I mean, he, he the guy had a future, you know. He did. You know, and again, and I, you know, you know, the thing is for me, and I talk about it a little bit in my book is depression. I remember when it probably hit me was when I remember sitting in the airport one day and wishing I was the guy putting my bag, putting the bags in the in the airplane because he's going home that night. You know, of course, uh-huh. we don't know what caused that. Was it all the, you know, lack of sleep? Was it the, the periods of being away from home? Was it uh, all the things that you do to put yourself in stress? And when after the first form of stress, the first form is a simple depression. And I don't think there wasn't one of us that didn't realize that we were walking in that first form of depression, even though a lot of us were able to get out of it. Uh-huh. I have somebody that's making a delivery in my house and they're out here. So I'm going to, we can go on. So, yeah, I mean, God, we saw it all. Right. I mean, it was, uh, right. It was so sad. I just have to ask both of you guys then, how do you not succumb to everything going on? Cause like you guys said, you have to wrestle your body's in pain. They, they're feeding you medication how do you guys not fall into that pit well i, I don't know, Tito. You know like I, go ahead Tito. Go, go ahead go ahead i think for me it was this you know the simple farm life i had the background and i was grounded and you know rob we talk about i'm gonna have a chapter called don't get above your raising and i never got too big for my britches and Tito, you saw the guys that would come in and also get a little bit of a push the next thing you know, they think they're the biggest thing since sliced bread. I don't. I've never seen Tito do that, and I bet you that's why he didn't succumb to it, or I didn't. Tito, you think the same, but do you feel something differently? Okay, uh, I, I I feel the same way. Uh, I feel I feel the same way. Uh, growing up as a migrant worker, and and getting raised in a house that didn't even have a bathroom. Uh, right. You know, if my parents getting divorced, you know, I, I just, uh, I got married. I had a family, you know, my family was, was, uh, was very important to me. I, 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 you know, in the first place I, I said, uh, I don't want my kids to experience what I experienced with, with the divorce of my parents. Cause you know, I was a sophomore in college, but it's still painful to see your parents uh, divorce. So, you know, I, I just didn't want my kids to experience that. So no, I think that family is what kept me grounded, you know. And, and, no, Tito, it's the same thing with me. I was like you too. And my mother and father and my mother had been through like 15 marriages. And so I just, that was something too. I wanted my kids to have where they didn't have to go through that. And and then it was important to be somewhat, you know, a normal person when I was home. So, you know, for me, I didn't take any of the responsibilities of uh, disciplining the children because when I was home, I didn't want them to know me for that. So, but my wife did yeah. a good job with that. And for me, Tito, I don't know about you, I had a, was lucky to have a good wife that, you know, brought the education to the children when I wasn't there. Actually, she brought a kid into the world when I wasn't there. And I was telling Rob the story. It was just by chance. I was flying through Memphis the day she was having the baby. And I got picked up at the airport. She's had the baby. I went and took a picture with them and it went straight to the show that night. Um, yeah, that was horrible. Wasn't that crazy? Oh yeah, I mean we we uh, uh, we were just programmed that there was nothing else, you know. Uh, it, it, we had to wrestle it, and, and we missed birthdays, we missed anniversaries, uh, 
I've been married for 38 years. I have three kids, and my oldest one's a lawyer. My middle one graduated from Princeton, and the little guy has a master's in finance and accounting, and they didn't want no part of wrestling, and I didn't want them to have any part of wrestling. You know, it was it was quite the sacrifice. But, you know, I'm glad that I was able to sacrifice it, and, and I'm glad that I was... My fear was for them to get into the business and to get into the drugs. I mean, when I came to New York, uh, I, I, I had never told this story, but there was a wrestler that uh, used to distribute coke in, here in New York, and, you know, the, my very first day, he gave me a little bag of, of coke, and, and uh, I, I put the coke in my glove compartment, and I carried the coke for a week in, in my glove compartment, and finally, I brought it in and flushed it in the bathroom, you know. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm sure the same thing happened to you. Uh, they, they offered me, they would offer me Coke, and I'd say, no, I, I, I'm not going to uh, take any from you because I'm never going to reciprocate because I'm never going to spend a dime on Coke. Right. Well, like you said, right. it's that available, too. So it's, it, you, you try not to fall down. And I guess with both of you guys, it's the fact that you learn to appreciate what you have when you were so young because you didn't have much that made it easier when you did have more to appreciate it even more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Tito, man, well, thank Tito, you. Where's your, where's your next, uh, when's the next time the fans can see you in an autograph signing? Uh, as a matter of fact, Monday, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I just came back from, from Canada. I went, uh, to, uh, I did a, uh, special Olympics there right outside of Toronto, St. Uh, St. Thomas. Oh yes, that's, that's about uh, an hour and a half for me. Saturday, uh, and, and uh, Barbie Kelly Kelly was there, and, and then there was uh, eight other uh, professional athletes that were there, and it was a great fundraiser. But uh, I'm doing a, a fundraiser here uh, Monday uh, at a at a pizza place in, in, in a mall. Uh, Sid, I, I I don't go out that much, you know, maybe a couple of weekends a, a month. I'm a full time school teacher and. You know, okay. I, I don't like being on the road, to be honest with you. I, I hate being away from home. Uh, right. So I am, I, am, I am picky about where I, where I go out. Uh, you know, thank God that I don't need it, you know, because, uh, you know, some of the, you know, still, you know, some of these, you know, little uh, independent promoters, you know, there's guys that don't want to pay, you know, and, and some of the guys, they catch them and, and uh, you know, they go and, and to work for, what uh, you and I would probably call for, for peanuts, you know, and, and, and then they expect everybody else to do it. And I'm not in the position where I need to do it. Thank God. And I'm sure you're not either. Right. Well, I just do like, I do the ones that I've done usually with people before I trust them. But like you said, even the, and I won't say his name. One of the last ones I did, if I had to call the guy before I left to go to the show, he was already decided he was going to give me less money. And that's a dangerous thing to do, get me on the road, and that happened to me. And so when I got uh -huh. there, I had to actually ask the guy, you know, I said, man, you were trying to shore me on my money. He goes, no, I wasn't. I said, listen, please, at this moment, it was just me and by ourselves in this room. I said, don't insult me by lying to me. You know, because I was like, the next step is going on my fix and choke you. You know, it's like, <laughs> don't, get, just give me my money and stop lying. You, you had said that, you know, what it was is, um, They'll try to get you, you know, they won't tell you what flight you're on and try to get you to leave the day before at 6 in the morning. I mean, just be there at 4.30. I said, I couldn't, I'm not going to be there at that time, you know. So they had changed the flight and they did, you know, uh, pay a little bit more money. 
Well, you, you, you should get in touch with people. And I tell those guys those things. Get in touch with me before you make this flight. And they don't, you know, because they tell you to wait to the last second. But you can't trust right. these guys at all, you know. Oh, no, no. Oh, man. But, man, it was, it, it, was, uh, it was really good talking to you guys. Thanks so much, too, Tito. Tito. Now, again, where can people find your book? They can go to titosantana.com. And, and, and they can order it there, and, and you know, uh, I'll get the order from PayPal, and, and, and I'll ship it to them, and, and uh, I, I usually write a little note to thank them for, uh, for ordering it, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the book is doing pretty good, and uh, I've got a lot of great feedback from people who, who have read the book, and, uh, you know, if you want to read a good story about uh, my life, uh, it's all there. Excellent. Well, you know, I, I know I know Kenny. Uh, he does a good job. Actually, I was going to call Kenny the next couple of days, just beginning to maybe take a look at my book, see what he thinks about the different form of writing. I always like to get someone, you know, different opinion on things. But Kenny definitely does some really good jobs in some books. I've read Kamala's. I've read uh, Bruce Beefcake, and uh, I get a chance I'll read yours too for sure. Well, Tito, it's always been a pleasure to talk with you. It was a pleasure today to talk with you. We like to say thank you very much for being on the Vicious Circle. We like to tell all the fans out there, get on TitoAntenna.com. Get this book. He's going he's gonna to write you a thank you letter and that uh, that alone will be worth it. Alright? Thank you, guys. Thanks so much, Tito. Hey. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host, J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.